The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello and welcome to the Port Adelaide preview podcast for the round 22 game versus Collingwood. The game will be played on Saturday afternoon at the MCG. Uh, I'm Portia, and joining me, despite having talked for a solid hour and a half on Monday, uh, is Rick. Rick, how are you? Hello. <laughs> he's making a protein shake, apparently, because he's been running. No, I'm not going to talk tonight, because oh. I, hog the, I hog the show, apparently. So. <laughs> no, you didn't, it's not so much that you hog the show, it's that you weren't told to give it a rest occasionally. And you actually made it an extra half hour long, so that's unusual. Like even by your yeah, but isn't that, isn't that awesome? <laughs> isn't that awesome that there was an extra half an hour of me, Look, plus, it, plus a little it, bit of Cam and Bevo? It, it oh. would be awesome if it was new content, but I think I've heard you say everything you said on Monday before. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's Groundhog Day, right? Because yeah, I, yeah, keep yeah, saying, yeah. I keep getting delivered the same stuff like for the last six years. So yep. what am I supposed to do? Do you want me to just make up stories? I don't know. I just thought you could make up some new and varied and interesting complaints. That would be kind of cool. Like what? Give me an example. I don't know. I don't live inside the mind of Rick. Yeah. So have you ever seen Being John Malkovich? Yeah, that's a great film. Love it. Yeah. That's uh, Welcome to My World. That's, uh, that's what it's like. Okay. Good. Which is which is better than the cell, right? Have you seen the cell? No, I have not seen the cell. Oh, that's a really good movie. Highly recommend it. But if anyone says they've got a mind like that guy in the movie of the cell, you you walk away very quickly and never speak to that person ever again. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> oh, but how you been? Are you upbeat about this weekend? No, not at all. But um. Yeah, I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, we kind of called it on this show, I think, so we just... Are you going? We, uh, I haven't decided yet. I should, but I don't know. Are you a, are you a Port Adelaide supporter? Yeah. No, well, it, come on, Port Adelaide. The, the only consideration is that because it's a Collingwood game, I'll be sitting up in the up in the gods, up in the up in the cloud layer. Um, but I don't, I don't mind that level. Oh, I hate it, hate it. Even going up and down the stairs freaks me out because I could realise how bad a fall would be. It's awful. Mm. <laughs> the last time I was there in those seats was the 2004 Grand Final. Yeah, well, yeah. So there, so maybe if you go, you'll recreate that environment. So I think it's upon you. you know, what's even worse is that yeah. you're a Port and yeah. a Melbourne supporter. Well, no. And they're, both, and they're both trending in the same direction. What? Out? <laughs> <laughs> well, while, whilst I was running back home, I, I decided to listen to SEN, which was very vomit-worthy. But sure, sure. Apparent, apparently Port and Melbourne are going to plummet out and Geelong and North, because North deserves to make finals again to give their supporters some hope because it's been so long, um, will make it back in. Oh, look, I reckon Melbourne's still got a real good chance of hanging in there, but Port mm. Port could go out, there's no doubt, like this week against Collingwood. And if Essendon are playing for a spot on the eight next week, then that could be really unfortunate for us. But Yeah. Oh, oh look, we've had some support for you on Spreaker Chat. Windy Runners said, hi all, don't worry, Rick, I enjoyed listening to the extended version. Good oh. work. If I there had it my go. way, every show would be a two and a half hour show, Windy. <laughs> so give it time. Watch out for this Monday. If, if Port Adelaide win, I promise you it will be a two-hour show on Monday. Oh, and by the way, Portia, yeah. um, Cam's going overseas next week. And I said maybe you might join me for the review show on Monday. Would oh, you be shit. willing for one for one week? Put me on spot. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'll, Good work. I'll, I'll, let, I'll, let you know. I'll let you know after the show. Have a look at my calendar and whatever else. See if there's anything I need I'm to be pro- doing then. Because I, I think Bevan would be – I think he deserves to do a show with you. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> that would be great. All right, well, look, um, as for hot topics, I don't know that there are any. Are there any hot topics? I think you had one from before the show, didn't you, Rick? So, a credible poster on Big Footy, mm-hmm. Porter, I thought you'd like this as a drafting expert, has said that 
the rumour is that Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide's interim Wayne Miller from the Crows, and they're willing to offer up Port Adelaide's first pick for him. Well, I mean, if there's anything you should be doing when the side looks like it needs a rebuild, it's trading a first-round pick for a halfback flanker. Mm. <laughs> but I must admit, he has looked really good for the Crows. But I'm not saying that endorses giving the Crows a first-round pick. But, yeah, I just, I, it sounds a bit odd to me. Look, I, it, it would not... I can see it being in the realms of possibility, but if it happens, I think that are in a bad way I'm, I think last off season we were saying okay this is the last time we really trade anything valuable for players in under Hinkley because we've done it enough you know we've brought in Ryder Dixon um, you know those are big draft years that we just kind of opted out of to get those two guys in um, and we can't afford to go trading more first round picks out for, for, for players and particularly not for flankers like you know flank, a good flanker is great but that's it that, that, that you don't you don't give up your first round pick um, for one in my view unless it's you know really good need and I, I don't think that that one one halfback flank is going to make us win a premiership next year. I so who do you think who do you think we would be targeting um, if we kept the pick? Like who do you who do you, I know it's on the spot you might not have anything in front of you but who do you reckon we're going to get around that eleven twelve mark? Um, yep. I haven't gone through all my footage yet and done my big list. I've got the names that Mac has said we're going to review, so uh, okay, that's cool. Um, but apart from that, I couldn't tell you. But I reckon, you know, the thing about first-round picks is there's always someone worth drafting. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the, that's how they work. There's always someone for, worth drafting with a first-round pick, and so that's why mm. they're not the ones you just trade away for half-back flankers from other clubs, really. Do you, if let's assume that Polek's going right and. Sure. Um, and so we get North Melbourne's pick, and I don't know, they're going to lose this week, I would imagine, because they don't win against the Crows in Adelaide, and they never really play in Adelaide anyway. Okay. And let's say they win their final round game. So what, they're going to be pick eight-ish, pick nine. Mm-hmm. Um, they trade it to Port for Pollock, and that's it. Let's just assume it's a simple pick. So we get pick eight or nine, and we've got pick 12 or 11, whatever it is, and... Um, do you do you think it would be in Port's interest to bundle that together together to maybe see if they could get like pick four, five, or six? Um, not or four, five, take... or six. No. Um, if you're going to do that, you're doing it for top three. Um, otherwise, it's just not really worth it as a rule. Um, so, do you think do you think maybe a top three would be possible? Like, if the priority picks come in, do you think one of well, those sides might do it? I guess it's possible if there's priority picks come in. But frankly, I mean, I'd be happy with us using nine and twelve. You know, mm. um, I'd be okay with that. The same as I was okay with us using nine and ten back in what was it, twenty ten? Except we just kind of blew the picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By drafting think, Andrew Moore with the second one. <laughs> do you think Lacocious? Do you reckon Lacocious could fall to the nah, third nah. third pick? Nah, nah, no way, no way. No, mm-hmm. no. If anyone, if one of the SA boys had a chance of dropping that far, it's probably Rankin. I think Lacocious is probably top two. Um, yeah. Interesting. And is Rankin, do you reckon Rankin's that good? I like him a lot. Um, depending on how the Victorians are measured by Victorian clubs, it is theoretically possible he could even be around at North Melbourne's first pick. Um, Wow. I'm not saying it's likely, but it is possible. Stranger things have happened. You know, Chad Wingard up to six, for example. Adelaide would pick up. Adelaide would take Rankin before us, though, surely. Well, it's if they keep their pick, you know. They've had a good run. They they had picks they don't want in previous years, so they might be doing something else. Who knows? Who knows what Adelaide's doing? I'm not worried about them. They drafted Hmm. Gallucci ahead of um, Sam Pepper and um, Marshall. So, you know, who knows what they're going to (laughs) do. They might draft another Tom Doty. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It was... It's it's definitely interesting, but we still got He's doing all right, but he wasn't on anyone else's radar. So, you know, (laughs) okay, cool. Yeah. I'm with you. Mm. I uh, it'll just be interesting to see how it all plays out. But yeah, are you in the camp of you know if Polar goes, you're you're happy to you're not fussed, or would you be in the camp of I would really really um, prefer uh, him to stay? I would rather see Polak go on a big deal than see him stay on a big deal. Yeah. 
Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like if yeah. we have to if we have to give him a stupidly long contract um, to keep him, I don't want him. I would rather see him go in that circumstance. But if we can get him to take three years and whatever amount of money it ends up being, then that's, I'm fine with that. But if it's more yeah. than that, then no, no. I mean, I don't think it's in our I don't think it's in our interest to be offering him a five year deal at seven hundred seven fifty thousand. We just can't afford the dead spots on our list, you know. We just can't afford it. Yeah. We're still getting no. over having carried so many players for too much time in the past. Like we've got to be, we've got to be ruthless. We've got to cycle players through a lot more than we do. Um, yeah. To get where we need to be, you know. Well, whenever the postseason comes for us, we should have some good shows coming up with uh, talking about uh, reviewing players and list management and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, uh, I yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, Mac has got me to do the t- the. The groupings for the player review, I haven't done that yet, so sorry, Macca, um, but I'll get on to it, I don't know, probably on the weekend. If we're losing, I'll probably do it at halftime. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Good all right. Well, look, let's talk about Collingwood, I guess. Um, oh, hang on, let's read the speaker comments first. There's some interesting ones. Uh, Scott S. has said, we're fucked, sack Hinkley and go full rebuild. Um... Ian DeLittowitz is saying good money for no left foot in reference to Pollock. And there's an agreement from Curtis Curran. So there you go. I think that... I, my, my position is I think a full re- rebuild is a bit traumatic, right? And, yeah. I mean, we might, whoever the, the mature players are on our list that maybe we trim off, right, without using names... But I think I think we've got that much age in our in our roster anyway, where we could we could lose two or three of our most mature players, and we still have enough senior players in that team that we could rebound really quickly. And I'm not sure that a full rebuild is really what's in order. Well, I don't know. Well, is, is that, how do you see it? Well, for me, when you say full rebuild, it means um, trading out. You know, players that are about what that twenty five or twenty seven, twenty eight mark, and getting what you can for them, rather than letting them play out their career at the club. Um, I don't think we're I don't think we're at that point, but I do think we're at the point where when we get draft picks, we use them. You know, um, and that's purely because of uh, how it's purely because of how we've traded picks out for players in the past, um, and because we need to be at this point working out how we're going to survive after Hinkley's gone. Mm. Yeah, because like right now our defence is all right still, um, as far as the you know the the team we can field in what twenty twenty two. Yeah, I was going to say it's young. Yeah, it's young, right? Yeah, yeah so. that's right. So for the most part, they'll all be there. I think they should. They could even all be there, except for maybe I don't know. Jonas might even be hanging around. Then who knows? Um, mm. But the forward line and midfield need work. So trading out for players, I, I don't want to do that. I want us to. St- start getting ready to replenish, you know, and this is not a bad year to do it when there are a bunch of SA players. Um, and more importantly, when there are a bunch of SA players and they won't all go in the top five, you know, there's going to be a bunch that are available throughout the draft. So, you know, it could be have one of those years like, um, oh, what was it, 2008 when we drafted a bunch of South Australians? I think it was 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out all right for us, you know, not amazing, but not bad. Um, so we'll see. We, but I'm very much in the using draft picks this year, uh, but we need we need to draft what tools and midfielders, right? Um, tools and um, skillful midfielders. Yeah, we've got Grunt, and we've got we'll have and again our, our Grunt, you know, our Grunt is young. We've got Wines and Pal Pepper, you know, in five years' time or whatever it ends up, or three years' time, four years' time, um, they should be right in their prime. So, you know, we've got those options. We've got Atley coming through and blah, blah, blah. It, it's the, the, the skilled midfielders that we need. And we need skilled midfielders that are not all under 180 centimetres as well. So, um, And speed? So, yeah, well, skill and speed. Some Basically outside mids. And it could be some combination of speed and, and skill, sure. Um, if you can get both, that's great. But if you can get a lot of one and, a, and, a, and a, an AFL average amount of the other, then that's probably enough for us. And I guess the other topical news thing item was uh, Sean Attlee being targeted. Is it Sean? Joel. Macca's a big fan of Joel Attlee. Um, North Melbourne's supposed to be want to bring him back to home. Do you think he's a player that we should be keeping? Um, I don't see a reason to not keep him. Uh, um, and I don't see that there's not a role for him in the future. So, 
Um, I'd be keen to hang on to him. I think he's shown enough. Um, but, look, I mean, when North Melbourne says they want your player, I don't know, they've been like that before in previous seasons, haven't they? And they just haven't done anything. They're probably one of the teams, in my mind, that lets down players after they say they're interested more than most. Well, they got Ben Jacobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, Ben Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. Like, even Ben Jacobs, you know, um, even Ben Jacobs had to go through the draft to get to them. They were not really forthcoming and actually offering enough to get him over on, you know, reasonable trade terms. So when North Melbourne says they're after a player, um, I treat that a lot less seriously than most other clubs saying they're after a player because they just don't follow through. Mm. And is, um, I can't remember, is he contracted? Oh, he should be, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because he's his second year, right? So Yeah, I think he might have been one of the ones that did re-signing. I don't know. That's a look so through. if he's contracted, that's like bad luck. See you later. Well, yeah, but either way, it probably ends up being bad luck because, um, you know, why is he going to go... Not everyone's going to go in the draft and hope that North Melbourne picks them up, you know? Yeah. Um, and Ben Jacobs, maybe he did it because he woke up to the fact he was a dud. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is it he the best tagger in the competition now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. North Melbourne have revolutionised Benny. Yeah, the yeah, Benny yeah. Man. yeah, 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 good, good. <laughs> Jesus, you do so much talking, Portia, on this show, I tell you. <laughs> You're asking me questions. What am I supposed to do? Ah, uh, well, I'm setting you up to fail. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's get on with talking about Collingwood. Um, so they're at 13 wins and 7 losses for the season. Last week they beat Brisbane by 31 points at Docklands. The two weeks prior they lost to Sydney at the SCG by two points and Richmond at the MCG by 28 points. Uh, they're not in the greatest form. Um, they have been missing Trelaw since he's been out and uh, I think that maybe this season's just been getting a bit long for them. I think they're in a bit of a dip where they are right now. But we've seen that with Collingwood late in seasons before, years and years ago. I think that was our view back in, what was it, 2002 that Collingwood were in a dip because they were not winning games leading into the finals and they came out and bloody trounced us in the first week, so... Who knows what they're actually up. Um, as for how they play, they are the number one in the league for handballs, which is an unusual stat for a, a top team. Um, and that's sort of shown by the fact that the second and third for handballs are St Kilda and the Bulldogs. So um, they are playing a different style to most other teams, I think. Um, and they're very strong in clearances, and that's something we're going to discuss when we talk about the, the side in a little bit more detail. Um, they are a clearance side. They're fifth for clearances, and uh, that's all right. But the best thing for them is that they're 17th in clearances against, which means that they have the second least clearances against. So their differential is pretty significant in favour of them. Uh, and they're fourth for hitouts, and they're dead last for hitouts against. So they're just completely dominant there. Brady Grundy's probably going to be the All-Australian Ruckman. Um, yeah, and here's the other thing. They're as beloved by umps as West Coast are. They've got the second most freeze for, but they're only 16th for freeze against, um, which means that mm. they, hard, they, they hardly get free kicked against at all. I didn't look up the differential this week because that's huge. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have trouble against them in Melbourne, I would say, in that regard. Um, they're having a better season than I think a lot of people expected. Um, but I think that that's starting to fall apart a bit. Um, one of the things that's happening to them is they're actually getting tackled a reasonable amount. I think that when you've got a handball-heavy plan, it is possible for accountable sides to break break through and break through your, your handball chains and just make a real mess. And Obviously, Sydney is the perfect side to do something like that. That's why they probably won last week, even though they're in indifferent form themselves. Um, I'm not sure if we can. I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if we've got that level of accountability that we'd need, but who knows? We might be able to pull it out um, against Collingwood. Um I don't know, how are you feeling about the game in general at this point? How are you feeling about us potentially I, winning? I want us to win. Yeah. Um, I, I hope I can win, uh, we can win. Um, and I guess it just really comes out to what sort of Port Adelaide shows up. Shows up. Mm. And, you know, when we spoke last time, it was like, well, you know, what's... Um, What's you know what's Port Adelaide going to do? And it was like, well, with four games to know, go. Who knows? We could win all four, or we could lose all four. And um, yeah, so that's um, that's really the uh, the problem. You know, is it what Port Adelaide's going to come up? But our midfield pressure, like 
when you went through those stats for me, it, they sound like the sort of team that Port Adelaide with midfield pressure could actually beat um, yeah, and take advantage yes. of that over-possessing game plan because we can, we can apply good pressure through the midfield, cause the turnover and, uh, and then beat them on transition. Uh, however, we've also come up against fast-moving ball sides like Essendon and haven't played very well at all. So I know, I'm sitting right on the fence on it. And it I mean, look, everyone keeps saying Collingwood's got injury issues, Collingwood suck, um, but Collingwood keep doing away the bad teams. And, you know, they really did push Sydney at the SCG, uh, which hasn't been Sydney's most favourable ground this year, ironically. But, mm. you know, they still did push Sydney, and Sydney are making a bit of a late charge now coming into the finals. So... I wouldn't say their form's horrendous considering the injury. So I don't think they could be taken lightly. And I don't think, um, you know, we can say this, this is a, a lockdown win. But if we apply pressure in the midfield, I think we've got a good opportunity. Look, I think it's, I agree with you uh, broadly. I think it's definitely a game we can win. It's just a matter of if we're willing to be focused for four quarters and actually play four quarters, because I think we're probably going to have to. Um, that is a big concern, I think. Um, just yeah. Popping into Spreaker chat briefly, uh, we've got an uh, interesting comment from Curtis Curran saying that uh, it's time to rustle, uh, ruffle the boat a bit and uh, we need to drop some leadership boys that are doing, not doing their job. Uh, for example, Ebert. They need to make the boys want to fight for their spot and not just tinkly being loyal to the ones not putting in. I, I think, I think it's been really bad this year. <laughs> like Ebert, Ebert. Yeah, Ebert has been bad and... His last five minutes against West Coast was horrendous. You know, that spoil out of bounds, the overrunning of the ball, you know, was just nauseous. Lucky I was drunk about that time. <laughs> and uh, and then the, the not switching with Jonas and that McGovern mark, you know, he wasn't even... He just allowed himself to be pushed off by McGovern so easily and isolated. It, I don't know what's going on because it's a shame. He was, he was a good player. Well, it's and, one of the, oh, I don't know, like with Ebert for me, it's always been one of those things where he's always had deficiencies, but then there's usually been a few good things he does in games. You go, oh, yeah, that was a really good long pass to a leading forward. Oh, yeah, that was good. But those have just slowly disappeared from his game, and all that's left is mediocre shit. <laughs> so, yeah. That, but I think the thing is, it's funny that you read that question. It's a good question because when you were talking, I was thinking about Ebert, and I was going to pose the question to you, is he lucky to be playing this week? But I just wonder, like, I think he is. But I think the coaches have sort of made up their mind. This is our group for the rest of the year, Mm. and we're going to roll with them, and then so be it. But I mean, if he if he got chopped at the end of the year, you know, and I I say this with all great respect, and I say it with all great respect to every player that plays for Port Adelaide, but it wouldn't shock me, like, because he looks like he's falling off this cliff, cliff even at a young age, pretty quickly. I wouldn't say that it would shock me, but it wouldn't surprise me if we started playing him the same way we played Tom Logan, yeah? In that he's sort of the first reserve. He's the guy you bring in when you've got a couple of injuries or something like that. Because I, I really I really don't think he's first 22 now by any by a long shot. I think he's one of those guys that should be fringe every week until he proves he can you know, have real positives to his playmaking ability. Um, because we can't afford to have non-playmaking midfielders in this league, yeah? Um, but he's he's going to be one of those players. He's a that if, you drop to, if you drop him to the SANFL, he'll get his thirty-five stats. Oh, who cares about that? Yeah, no. I, well, obviously Port Adelaide does. They brought Sam Sam Gray back after a, <laughs> a chip slog fest at West Adelaide, where he just ran ran around and got forty possessions at will. But you know, we had like five hundred thousand possessions for the game. You know, it was like, but you know, we that we just use that to justify bringing Sam Gray back. And how did he go against West Coast? Pretty deplorable as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I guess with Sam Gray, that's kind of been his position in the side since forever is to be in and out. But I think that for Ebert, it's genuinely an emotion. And I think it, it's a, a timely one that we should be, you know, certainly for next year, should be planning on doing. And that's why I think we keep Joe Atley, because I reckon Ebert's going to be uh, getting a lot of bench time or a lot of magpies time next year, unless he changes how he's playing, unless he finds what he's lost in the last couple of years. But does Ken have the courage to do that? That's the question. He doesn't need courage to do that. Not after this season. It's not hard to point at Ebert's season and say, Brett, this isn't good enough. Brad, 
bread, 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 bread. This isn't good enough. Um, and just say, look, we've got other midfielders, so we need more. We need you to start delivering on these things. Da 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 da. And I'm sure, I'm sure he hasn't been. But he's very loyal to his players. Like, and I feel like he's. I that's feel like Hinkley. That's the failing of every coach about to be sacked. It is so. It is, I know. Mm. Yeah, but it is. But he's very loyal to his <laughs> players. And I feel like he's going to be that captain that's happy to go down with the ship um, with his loyalty. Unfortunately for us, that captain, if it, that's the case, signed a four year contract. I mean, this is going to be the most intriguing off season for me watching Hinkley and how he plays out everything in relation to ruthlessness and list management. Well, I think a lot of that's Chris Davies, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, but that's still at the direction of the senior coach. No, not all of it. So so if Chris Davies used me as a confident and said, what do you want to do, Rick? And I said, oh, get rid of Ebert, Boak and Westhoff. He's going to go, okay, okay, done. You, you made logical sense. I'm going to do that. So you don't think Hinkley's going to override that and go, hey, no way, you can't do that, man. I want those three players. Um, I think that that's a discussion between them, but I think that Chris Davies has in, uh, impact in areas that Hinkley doesn't, you know. There's probably be a discussion mm. of who do you definitely want. There'd probably be a discussion of we're thinking of putting these players up for trade, then they'll have a talk about it, you know, whether they are replaceable, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, but I, I don't think that... I don't I don't reckon Hinkley would have a veto by any measure. Mm. No. Interesting. Um, anyway, let's talk about Port. And I mean Port as in the team playing this week. We've got a couple of changes um, for this uh, game against Collingwood. So the outs are Charlie Dixon and Tom Clurry, which I guess everyone was kind of expecting. Um, in, Riley Bonner and Jack Homsch. So uh, I don't feel good about those. Uh, Homsch is back. crazy. But well, Homsch back, it's not just that he has only two weeks ago played the worst game Possibly I've seen by a Port Adelaide backman in the AFL, uh, but that uh, we don't actually need to have an extra tall backman with Lena in the side against the Collingwood forward line, which they've got a couple of taller guys, but they're both at the bottom of, into the 190 centimetre range. Um, and you'd think that we'd be able to match those guys with Howard, Jonas and Lena. Um, so why we'd need to add Homsch to that, I don't entirely understand. Um I don't know. I don't know. Like these. Well, I guess is it, is there still a thought that is is Hinkley going to maybe do a, a tricky and is Ryder going to spend predominantly his time at full forward and is Howard going to spend more time in ruck? Well, look, I mean, I, it, there's no point picking Ryder if you're not going to play him in ruck against against not just the the likely all Australian ruckman, but an all Australian ruckman actually has Mason Cox as a backup ruckman as well. You know, this is not. This is not the team that you sort of fart ass about with, uh, you know, non-ruckman in ruck positions. So, yeah. Mm. Are we? Have we shot ourselves in the foot not oh, playing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Billy Frampton. Yes, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yes, we have. That's not even debatable Re- now. Regardless of how good he is or isn't. Well, look. I mean, if you say Billy Frampton's in instead of Jack Hunt, I'd say good. It's not even. That's not even. Challenging. That's not even controversial to say that if we had Billy Frampton in instead of Jack Comps, we would look like a better side. That's just blatantly obvious, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If you know enough about Port Adelaide to know that Billy Frampton's a ruckman and that Jack Comps is a massively underperforming key backman who's been in and out of the side all year, then that you know enough to know that Billy Frampton instead of Jack Comps in this week just makes sense to do. So, <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I'm sort of at a loss. I'm just hoping they're playing a few ducks and drakes, and they're going to bring Frampton in into the side. Yeah, you know, and they're just putting him as an emergency. But deep down, I know he hasn't been picked all year, so why would he start now? Yeah, I know. Uh, here's the other one: SPP isn't back yet, so that's fun. <laughs> no yeah. Um, so it's the second week in the Magpies, apparently. Come to you, Tom. Well, there was no Magpies game last week. <laughs> okay, there you go. Oh, well, then, so how can you, then how definitely, why was it worth dropping him back? <laughs> I mean, I guess with Sam, it was like, maybe he wasn't running at full rat power, but, hmm. you know, were we going to be better off with him out of the team or in the team last week? I mean, well, that's the... 
So far, we've brought in Sam Gray, Riley Bonner, and Jack Homsch in preference to him. So he must have done something. <laughs> I don't know what he did. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what he did either. <laughs> Especially against a team that has the best clearance unit, I would say, probably in the league almost right now, with Brody Grundy and some midfielders that, yeah, they're missing a bit, but they're still doing, they're still getting the numbers up there, you know, as far as actually winning them. So, uh, yeah. What do you do? What do you do? You don't bring in all your, your midfielders that can contest? Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, and I, I particularly, don't. particularly don't understand when we were just talking about the best way to, to beat Collingwood is probably to contest and interrupt their handball chains in midfield, um, when that's exactly what Sam Pepper has been trying to do for most of the season. He's been getting right in the middle of those chains and interrupting them and making things happen, and that's probably exactly what you want against Collingwood this week, I would have thought. So... Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's a mystery. I mean, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my confusion is really directed at the coaches, and I guess you know, not, I wouldn't say I've had a lot of hate, but you know, people have really been like, you know, um, angry at me for my opinions. But the coaching is really confusing me, and I don't, and I don't want to harp on about it too much. But I don't know what Hinkley did to deserve a four-year extension. I don't know what Voss has done to deserve no. a two-year extension. No, that's and not clear at all. And we've got, we've got them now, so we've got to accept it, right? But I just, like, decisions like dropping Sam for no reason. Um, instead, maybe play him more. Like, I don't know why him, Ollie Wines and Rockcliffe were on the bench for so much in the last quarter of Adelaide and over the whole duration of the game. I don't know that didn't make, And that didn't make sense to me. Right, and so, and I obviously I can't really. I'm not all right. People can say, Rick, you, "What do you know? You know, you're just an armchair critic." I am, and I, I don't have the data or whatever. But you know, everyone used to watch football and play football and have coaches that didn't have data analytics, and it just so those decisions just don't really make sense to me, and they don't get no one asks them those questions in the media. No, so no. You, you don't. You don't know, like, you don't get told if it's injury management or performance management or fitness management, but you can't... They spent so little time against Adelaide, you can't say that really they benefited again for that the next week against West Coast because they weren't the standout players either for West Coast and one didn't even play. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, In Collingwood news, there's made no changes this week, which... I suppose that's a bit unusual. Um, but, uh, yeah, no change to their side. They're pretty happy with how they're going. Um, and I guess we can have a look at the uh, individual contests. So, obviously, we just talked a little bit about the rucks. So, it's Brody Grundy versus uh, Limp and Paddy. Uh, Grundy is not only leading the hit-outs at Collingwood and you know doing a really good job generally, but he's also the clearances leader at Collingwood as well. He's getting the most clearances for them. Um, and if that wasn't enough, going up against Paddy Ryder, who's obviously a bit sore, Mason Cox is their second ruckman and playing forward when he's not. Um, you'd have to say we're going to lose this one, <laughs> really, wouldn't you? Well, unless, I guess gra- the question I... himself in the first five minutes or something, I think we're going to lose that one. Some people have asked the same question sure. that I've also asked as well. And it, it's, if Paddy Wright is saying that I'm, I'm willing to play injured against Collingwood because I, can, I don't want to sit there and watch the team lose, why didn't he play injured against West Coast for one and a half quarters? Yeah, well... I, I don't agree with that whole line of question, really, because I, I don't think that players really should be playing injured for the most part at all. You know, like there's always a little bit of a niggle, sure, but if you're in a situation where you can barely play half a football, I would argue that it's really, first of all, um, it's questionable whether you should be in the side if that's as fit as you are, and secondly, why wouldn't you select someone that can actually ruck if this guy can only ruck <laughs> half a game? Why wouldn't you do that? Rick, can you give me an answer for that one? Because I really want to know. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> like, if you know that you're not going to... You, you've got one good Ruckman and he's going to play maybe just over half a game, why would you not name a second Ruckman? Why would you not? Uh, I don't know. And <laughs> I, I Actually, I would have thought, like, Brody Grundy's in great form. He's a mobile, <laughs> he's a mobile Ruckman. Uh, Billy Frampton is more of that mobile ruck, Ruckman-type mm-hmm. player. And I'm not saying that Billy Crampton's anywhere near as good as um, no, no. as as Grundy, but you'd think that that would be a perfect matchup 
to give Grundy a go and actually see see how he goes against uh, yeah yeah Frampton a go to sorry my uh, my legs are starting to pack it in Uh, okay (laughs) they're they're freezing up but I need to go get find some power because my AirPods are starting to beep Um, (laughs) but yeah so. I don't know. I mean, and that comes down to the coaches, right? I keep coming back to the coaches and the decisions they're making. And, I, and it's not even me trying to bag out on the coaches and sound like I'm a know-it-all or whatever, but I just – I don't see these illog- – to me anyway, these massively illogical decisions being made at other clubs as common as what they are at Port Adelaide, but maybe they are and I just don't realise Look, I mean, there's no doubt that if we had the same depth of knowledge of other clubs as we do at Port Adelaide, we'd probably be a bit more critical of what they're doing. Um, but who cares about what other clubs are doing? We can look at what we're doing, and it's ridiculous. So, you know, that's not even mm. debatable that what we're doing right now is just bizarre and stupid. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. We're going to lose. We're going to have to assume we're going to lose the run. Yeah, we have to assume that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and going into the midfield, um, uh, Trillar out is, helps us, I guess. Um, Stuhl, he's out. But Taylor Adams, Scott Pendlebury, and still side bottom, and they've been doing pretty well, and they're all pretty settled in that side. You know, they've been around for donkey's years. Um, yeah, they're just a solid midfield, and you know the stats say that they do win a good number of clearances for the side, particularly aided by their ruck unit. Um, it's going to be challenging for us to to beat them, I think. Um, how good are we at rucking at, at uh, playing midfield to a losing ruck? Not all that great. Not all that great. Um, and it seems to be worse in games when Paddy Ryder is there um, as opposed to games where we can prepare for him not to be there and therefore prepare to lose pretty much every ruck tap. Um, yeah, I'm not real confident in that. Um, even so what about the that, midfield then? What about the midfield? I, I think that... Can we, can we match the midfield? Look, we've got a chance. We're going to have to play really intense football, um, really. And they're going to have to be prepared for... All situations such as, hey, Paddy won a tap and, hey, Paddy's being thrashed in ruck. Like, they're going to have to, on the fly at every bounce, they're going to have to work out, oh, and every throw up or whatever else, they're going to have to work out, okay, how are we going to adjust to that? So they're going to use the full playbook in midfield this week. So let's see how good Voss is, eh? Mm. <laughs> they're going to be using the whole thing. Everything that's in that well, playbook, did, they'll be using. So Did you hear Cam's loose stats to defend Michael Voss on Monday night? Well, I did because I, I, I mentioned... The counter stats. So, yeah, <laughs> if you recall, that Porter yes. was second in clearances, but we're first in clearances against or something like that it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not... We just had a lot of clearances in our games. That's just how it is. Um, yeah, and going forward to the forward line for Collingwood, uh, they've got no dedicated tour forwards in this side. Um Mihacek and Thomas are in the low 190 centimetres. Um, as I said earlier, I think that we've already got the tall defenders to match them. Apart from that, apart from that, they've got guys like Hoskin Elliott, Dugowie and uh, Stevenson. Um, you know, uh, they're all doing pretty well. They are playing very much flanky roles. They're not. I don't think any of them are over, averaging over 20 possessions a game. So, but they are kicking goals, and that's what you need to do as a forward. So they're doing enough from the opportunities they're getting. And they are getting a pretty good number of opportunities with the midfield um, winning a lot of clearances. Um, um, I think that we can do all right against them. Um, this game is definitely going to be all about the midfield battle, though, um, for, for us particularly, given that's the greatest strength of Collingwood right now. Um, mm. As for the Collingwood defence, they're missing Howe uh, as an intercepting backman. Um, and I don't think it's the strongest area on the ground for Collingwood. It's another case. But again, it's always hard to tell with defences behind good midfields. Um, because you just don't know how good the defence actually is or if they're just sort of benefiting from the fact that the ball's not hitting them too hard in difficult ways. Um, yeah, but, they're, they're, you know, again, we sh- if we had Dixon, I'd feel a bit more confident. We don't. So we don't know what's going to happen with our forward line this week, do we? We don't know if this no. is going to be a week where, um, I don't know, Johnson and Farrell both kick three goals or something like that. <laughs> it could be. It's entirely possible. And I think the chaos ball... Uh, when it does get into the forward line, if we get it to the ground, get it to ground and let the boys run at it, I think that could actually work in our favour. Um, I guess that's the upside of Charlie Dixon being out is that hopefully, hopefully, maybe we won't bomb it to the square and just, and wait for him to try something. Um, maybe we'll play a bit differently, so that would be good. It's um, yeah. I mean, look, do we need to 
I guess, do we... The first question is, do we need to play Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard together up forward? Um, or can we get away with... I guess we're going to have Kane Farrell up there. We're going to have um, Aidan Johnson up there, Robbie Gray up there. You know, so I, th- I suspect that we probably want Chad in the midfield. It, it makes I, I almost think that really, if we're going to win, we need Chad and Robbie Gray in the midfield more so than the forward line. Um, I think particularly, I think particularly that's the case with um, Wingard. Uh, and the reason I say that in this week is because he's a class user, but more importantly, he kicks the ball real, real good. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he kicks the ball real good, you know? Um, and look, that's really <laughs> going to be valuable against uh, Collingwood because if they're doing handball chains and we get an intercept and he can scoop it up and boom, uh, you know, bang it down the other end, uh, that could actually work in our favour. So Wingard, I hope, I hope he's really fired up because I think this is a game where he could have a huge impact. Yeah. I think so, I, and I hope I hope he's fired up. He, I mean, look, I haven't been as harsh as what some of the fans have been with Chad. Um, I think uh, I think he's he's showing still, you know, the passion and the desire in the game. Um, pardon me, but there's a lot of supporters that question his output, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think he's as bad, been as bad as what people are intimating. But then I think Travis spoke hasn't been that great and then people bring up some stats for Travis to argue that he's actually had a reasonable season as well so I don't know the, the team buddy confuses me a little bit I must admit now here's something that I, I, it's not controversial because it's all just made up in my head but I think that if you were going to find a player report Adelaide and ask them the question do you believe in the game plan that the coaches are implementing I think that Chad Wingard might be the most likely to say no. Yeah? Yeah. And I just say that from from the way he plays, from from the way he does good things, and it, it just feels like he's doing these things knowing that they're probably doomed, <laughs> you know, knowing that they're not really yeah. going to work. I, I, I feel like he isn't playing like someone that totally believes in the game plan, but he's still playing good football. For the most part, he's still playing good football. Um, but I just... I don't know. I, I reckon. I reckon Hinkley's becoming a bit of a grind for the players. Some of them, and I think that Wingard might be one of them. But again, like yeah. I said, it's not controversial because it's all made up in my head. This is all just my perception. It's not based on rumors or anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, but it feels right to me. I still think, and I know a lot of people disagree with me. Well, nearly everybody, but that's okay. But okay. I, um, I actually think that. Um, Chad should be our prime candidate for captain. Um, I think he's that inspirational type leader that still does the hard things. And I would really be putting, if I was the coach, I would really be putting it into him this week that you're going to play 100% midfield and I need you to stand up and lead this team, right? And I'd have this as a private conversation and just see what comes out of it. But I think he is a natural leader. For me, I think the only reason, and it's basically linked to what I just said a minute ago, it, that I would say no, is because the captain needs to believe in the coach's game plan. Because yeah, well, that's true. They're the one that implements it on field and, and enforces it on field. And if there's any doubt at all, um, then that captain's not going to be successful. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Well, maybe he'd be a good captain with a new coach then. Well, I guess we don't know, do we? <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, as to the game in general, uh, as far as the coach, should we be concerned about Nathan Buckley? And here's the fun thing. No, we probably shouldn't. He's got a 1-6 and six record against Ken Hinckley coaching Port Adelaide. Um, they've only won once. So that, that's, that's good for us, I guess. Um, but as for the psychological advantage, Collingwood are higher on the ladder. It's at the MCG. They win a lot of games at the MCG, but then again, they play almost every game at the MCG. Um, so uh, you'd have to say Collingwood have the psychological advantage. There's no doubt. But you know what? Nathan Buckley? Him having a psychological advantage against Port Adelaide, coached by Ken Hinckley? Maybe not. Maybe we've got the edge in the coaching box, at least in that respect, this week. So that'll be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I think um, I think uh, Nathan, with his um, new additions to uh, his assistants, has really... Uh, 
bolted him on and uh, this year, and I think we've fallen behind. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know, but we'll soon see. Mm. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm sort of a bit, I just think our balance in the team is a little bit out of whack at the moment. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping we do something random, like play Riley Bonner on a wing, right, to try and give us some more pace and run and carry uh, through the midfield. Mm. Uh, so push him a, either a high half back or a wing or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, to me, I think that would be exciting. Um, you know, push Kane Farrell up high and then get him running back. He's got a lot of pace too. I'm liking what I'm seeing with Kane and... And Aiden Johnson, I guess those boys will provide us some extra pace, um, which we much need. So, um, again, I, uh, I don't know. Who knows? For, for, I'm those two, we... for those two, I really want them to have impact pace as opposed to running back and forth all day. I think it's better. I think they're better at that. Personally. Yeah. Particularly... I think um, we're going to definitely be playing a game style where the boys are going to be running onto the ball into the goals. Hmm. Mm. So I think we're going to be – we probably won't have much of a forward line. So those those fans looking for some forward structure, I'm not convinced there's going to be much outside of us oh. trying to bomb it long into an empty forward line and hope that our fast boys can run onto it and get into an open goal. Yeah. A lot of Joe the Goose goals this week, I would imagine. That would be nice um, if, they're against, if they're in favour of us and not against us. <laughs> Uh, now, we've had a couple of questions on um, Spreaker Chat. Uh, the first one from Curtis Curran. What would your best 22 you guys would play to go out and beat Collingwood this week? Um, so what would it be? Uh, I think, look, I'm not, I haven't got the whole list of fit players in front of me right now, but I would say at a bare minimum, Frampton in, Frampton in and Pompsh out for me. That's what I would say. So there you go. Mm. Um, how about you? Any other changes you'd make? Is an urgent change? Uh, it's hard. Uh, yeah, look, definitely I'd have Frampton in for an extra tool. Reg- mm. Regardless of where he's playing and if Ryder's playing or whatever. But sure. definitely um, definitely he's in. I probably wouldn't have actually... Mind- well, I think Sam Powell Pepper should have been in for maybe okay. at the expense of um, Yeah, Ebert. true. I forgot about Sam. Yep, yep. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Or indeed, maybe even instead of Sam Gray. Who no, well, I probably would have. I probably would have kiboshed Sam Gray for Jack, uh, for Jack Trengo. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, only I think, for, I think well, we're I varying think, a little bit there. Hey, <laughs> I think we're at odds a little bit on that one, but okay, sure. Well, <laughs> I can't see them providing much difference of influence, to be honest. And and Jack's probably hasn't a John Patmore stronger. kicked a few goals in the Magpies this year? I think I read somewhere that he's John Patmore's kicked a few. Patmore? Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't really know much about Patmore, to be okay. honest. I haven't well, seen many Maggie games. And, uh, I'd rather so... have him in at this point. Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, give him a go. Yeah. Let's, give At- Let's give Atley a go with his bunged back. Let's throw him in anyway. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that, but, you know. Um, we've got another comment from Magpies Power saying, we've got the edgy in the coaching box. Did he hear that right? Um, What's that? He, he, Magpie's power reckons that we said that we've got the edgy in the coaching box, which I don't think that's right. Um, no. And Craig Jones has said this show is more negative than the portress. And look, I mean, I don't know that that's the case. I think it just is less diluted by weird noises and sound files played randomly throughout the show. So it's definitely it. more intelligent than the portress, though. Portress. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Craig, Craig Zeno, and I've got a little good. banter war going on. <laughs> and Scott S has said, we will be lucky to be within four goals, and that's probably true. Um, I, what I really pray for, this is yeah. my, I'm putting a, it's a negative on a positive, hopefully a positive spin. Okay. But I, re- I don't want to see one of those traditional MCG games where we get reamed by the umps. But that doesn't happen that often, MCG. Which gives a free ride to the pies into open goals, which just which just deprives us of any momentum in the game, and uh, and then we look good and we look like we're competitive and we should win, and then the umps sort of just no decide that no this isn't a game that you're going to win. I just, I hope I hope it's a neutral umpire where they don't influence the game at all, and um, and then the best team wins on their own merits. Okay, now. 
Yes. I'm going to ask you for something that you should have prepared. I don't know if yeah. you have. Do we have any questions from Big Footy? So, would you believe... Okay. I did a poll. Oh, okay. The better, the better SA pie. Because who <laughs> likes pies anyway? Sure, sure. And Balfour's only got 12.5%. Billy's right. got 87.5%. I would agree with that. So, what's your favourite pie or pasty or sausage roll? Um, best pie is Billy's uh, for me. Best sausage roll is Port Adelaide Bakery. Oh, sorry, Port Elliot Bakery. Um, and I don't really mm. eat pasties. I love pasties. As a veggie. Yeah. Pasties are the way to go. Okay. Uh, and best uh, Kransky is the um, Ned Kelly Bakery in um, Port Adelaide. Or I don't know where it is. It might be near, well, it's near Alberton, anyway. Yeah. And, and Andre sort of went on and he, and I put it, because I had some other commentary in there about, like, friggin' fruit pies. What's going on there? And okay. he went off. Uh, Shilson Press said, Sam Gray's contracted and he's fine as depth anyway. He just shouldn't be automatic best 22 selection that he has been for the last couple of years. Correct. Uh, and then on, Andre retorted with, yeah, that's nice in theory, except for Ken has his favourites and just will pick them regardless, which is sort of what I was sort of intimating with the whole uh, Brad Ebert should just be a fringe player anyway. Okay. Power Raid reckons we're playing for pride. Um Charcoal Daddy, Daddy's actually going over to the game and he said he's underwhelmed yeah. and he's so depressed about footy, but I've told him to Aww. chin up and cheer up. We'll be okay. We might win. Maybe, and, maybe. And then uh, Cam1870 asked, am I using the platform tonight to work out where where we're all meeting with torches and pitchforks? And, um, and then Ely, a lot of commentary, no questions tonight has said okay, that he's uh, come to realise that Adelaide people eat more pasties than the rest of other states. He's never seen anyone eating a pasty in Melbourne or Sydney. Well, look, that's the thing. Like, eastern states, and particularly Sydney, um, I think Sydney most... I think I'm really mostly talking about Sydney here. Like, in Sydney, they've got a frying culture. Like, if you if you leave the office to go and get something, you go to your local cafe or something, it's mostly fried food, and it's not really pies and sausage rolls so much. Um and indeed not pasties either. So I think it's just that there's a difference in food culture between Sydney and Adelaide most distinctly, and I think Melbourne's probably in the middle of the two, leaning more towards um, the baking end as opposed to frying, being the, mm. the being the midday uh, snack that you eat. Um, in a state, a rated Cornish pasty above the old bacon and egg pies, above yeah. the homemade shepherd's pie and yeah. barbecue sauce. I'm not a fan of the shepherd's pie, but the Cornish pasty, look, I have had a couple and I don't mind them. Um, we've got on uh, Spreaker Chat, Libby said orange spot at Glenelg, but I don't know what that's in reference to. And Magpies Paris said, pie from my local Vietnamese bakery is better than Balfour's and Villiers combined. And look, that might be right, because I think if you combine Balfour's and Villiers, it's worse than just a Villiers. So there you go. But there was people out there that used to say that the pasties, that, that local guy used to serve out the front of the Alberton. Okay, P- okay. Pilkerton was one of the best. Um, Pommy Power was, was looking forward to us turning this into a food cast again because he didn't think the footy's worth talking about. <laughs> and, he, and he just wanted to rem- remind us all that Portia enjoys keeping chocolate in the fridge, which is no, just... that's not true. That's disgusting behaviour, Portia. I don't do that. That's Macca that does that. Is it? Yeah, yeah, no... Chocolate stays out here. Outrageous. It's, it's fine. Yeah. And yeah. Dylan, and I, thanks to Dylan because he actually put the uh, link to the podcast up at just after eight o'clock. Oh, okay. Very handy. Very handy. Because I don't put the link in it. I just, I just assume that everyone knows what they're doing these days, but maybe not. Dylan's a legend, but that was it. So we had a lot of banter about pies, and people didn't want to talk too much about. <laughs> That's footy. fair. Um, we've got some more on Spreaker Chat. Uh, Magpies Power has also said there was a random Balfour's spot at Wynyard Station in Sydney, but they didn't sell the traditional Balfour's pasty. Um, and Curtis has said St George Bakery at Greenworth are the best pies. And Dylan says, I am legend. So, okay. Good you are legend, Dylan. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in. Thanks for the link. have to get you on the uh, the Monday night show soon uh, to join me. Keeps avoiding yeah. me, for sure. Oh, understandably. But what, what about that other, the new one? This, what is it? The St. Peter's Bakery. 
What about the St. Peter's Bakery? They're good. Well, I think that's pretty popular now. Oh, it's been popular for years. I used to live not too far from there. No, it's a, it's a good bakery. Get If you're going there, get the uh, the French vanilla slice. It's very good. Let's let's face it, really. Like, yeah. I try to avoid them like the plague now if I can because okay. I just need to look at the stuff at a bakery. Is there really a bad bakery anyway? Yes, Even are. a bad bakery is a good bakery. No, no. The one over in Walkerville in the small shopping centre, it's a shit-ass bakery. They're terrible. <laughs> Except for Baker's Delights, but I don't actually class them as bakery. Oh, they're generic. But even even among those chain ones, like Baker's Delights, okay, Brumby's is utter shit. So there you go. Yeah. Even though what about, like my, my family always was devout on Kipling's. At Port Wakefield. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So any of the Yorks listeners on the show would probably be interested to hear, um, yeah, if they're Kipling's fans or not. They used to make a good mean donut, and uh, that's why I have to run 10Ks every second night now, just to bloody work off eating a donut or a protein ball or something. Why was me? Life sucks, Porsche, when you got to do that. Yeah, well, uh, Dylan's commented on Spreaker Chat. It's like how you think you couldn't fuck up pizza, but there are bad pizza places. And that is true. There totally are. There's not many, though. It's hard. Oh, it is heaps. hard. There's heaps. And can I also say, in Melbourne, the one thing that has absolutely astounded me is how many shitty burger places there are. Oh, my God. Terrible. There's so many bad burger places in Melbourne. Ugh. But what's the key? what's the key to making a good burger? Look, I don't know. I, 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 I've lost all sense of, of good burgers since being in Melbourne, quite honestly. I think that the worst thing you can do is have a chewy roll or have a really fat patty, a beef patty that is just too thick. That makes a burger not really eatable as a burger. I hate those. Well, do you, do you know what I don't like about burgers is beetroot. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Right? Like, my American wife... Like, she just thinks that Australians are obsessed with beetroot. Hmm. The other thing she can never work out is why Australians abbreviate everything except for beetroot. When in America, <laughs> they call it beets. But the thing, I, I don't like beetroot because it just, it causes your hamburger to be slippery. It, right? It does have a complicated texture that doesn't, that doesn't meld with the other flavours in a burger. It, and no, not, it yeah. doesn't. It's too sweet. And then it, and like when you eat a be- beetroot, uh, infested hamburger, the mm. thing starts slipping in half, and so you're either eating the top or the bottom, and it becomes out of whack. But I still think that every hamburger needs to have egg in it. I was just going to say that egg is something I really don't like on burgers because the quality of them being cooked is so varied. Um, <laughs> like, it, well, it has to be well done because there's nothing worse than having a runny egg in exactly. a hamburger, but the, and then so it drips all over your friggin' hands. Yeah, no, like the. It's so easy to miscook an egg, and like even the same place can cook eggs differently. You know, twenty minutes apart. Um, I would, I would never have that on a burger. No, no way. Uh, Doctor Phil posted up tonight that Cleary has a hot spot in his toe. Okay, that sounds not an Uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Ian on Spreaker Chat has said try Carl's Junior on Grand Junction. Awesome, apparently. Oh, uh, is that where the, the old Junction Market used to be? I think. I wouldn't know. Wouldn't know. No, I think it, I think it is. I think it's where the old Junction Market is. I haven't been there. See, I being vegger, I sort of don't really find the need to go to those places much anymore. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, it's uh, all, all I get nowadays is a, a mushroom burger and some sweet potato fries. Fair. That's not a bad way to go. Um, yeah. All right. Well, look, let's get on the wrap up then, shall we? Um, yes. So, Rick, I want to know. I want you to be really, really exact with this one because it's been a while since we've actually got, you know, a tip right. Who's going to win and by how much? Oh, my God. I don't <laughs> want to say it. I'm going to say Collingwood by 27 points. Okay, okay. I'm going to say Port by eight. There you go. I hope so. Yeah, I think that's about the right margin. Um, and that's assuming we play well, um, by which I mean... Everything's going to have to go right. Oh, I don't know that everything will. It's, look, if we can just either negate the rucks or or interrupt the midfield play, then we should have a really good shot. Um, but if we don't do it, then we're, we're going to lose. Yeah, definitely. So, 
Yeah. Um, for Port Adelaide, who's your highest goal kicker? Billy Frampton with three goals. <laughs> Screw you. Um, I'm going to go the, uh, the Chad with two. I reckon the he'd be Chad. right around that. Yeah. Uh, is there a fringe player that's going to look up a spot for next week? Well, the next week being the last one. Yeah, I reckon Farrell. Oh, that's positive. <laughs> okay. So you're already, you've already resigned to the fact we're going to drop out of the 8, are you? Well, I think it all comes... This is our, this is our grand final. Oh, no way. The next week is our grand final. It's a Friday night game. No, no, no. Because... No. Because... What are we looking at? I've got the ladder here. Collingwood... uh, Geelong's going to win. If we lose this week, Hmm. Geelong jumps us straight away. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, And we're out. Regardless of Melbourne lose or not. Hmm. And then... Then what? I guess then we're relying on Melbourne next week to lose again to the Giants at the MCG. I'll tell you what, Rick. Let's compromise and say that the next two weeks are both grand finals. No, this week's our grand final. If we win this week, we'll win next week. No, we'll do I don't lot. agree with that at all. I do. I think if we win this week, we'll win next week. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, here's, a, here's, here's a question. Will Richmond tank and lose against Essendon in an is- AFL conspiracy to make next week's game against Port Adelaide a do-or-die finals game. Look, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me, not that Richmond tank, but if, you know, the umpires are perhaps a little bit more generous in the direction of Essendon than they are in the direction of Richmond, um, it'll be a good good for them to set that ledger um, slightly against Richmond leading into finals so that when they even it up, it doesn't look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. Like, it, it's a trade-off. Um, when it's when it's two name Melbourne sides against each other, you don't know what the umpires are going to do. So, um, and in this case, I think that everyone wants Essendon to win. In terms, and by everyone, I mean the Victorian media and you know the AFL. So, um, I guess we'll see. Um, we've got Windy Runner saying uh, Ports by sixty. Watts kicking eight, which I would love that. That would be great. And Bono is the fringe player that's going to lock up a spot for next week. So, look, I hope that's right too. And I hope it's because of good form rather than other stuff. Um, mm. Now, I think we're both off the premiership train for 2018. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm still on it, man. Oh, I'm off it. No, right. I'm not. No, and... I, think we're, uh, I think we're pushing Chick Creek up the paddle. I mean, people say that, you know, we, um, the Bulldogs did it. But the Bulldogs still had a, com- like, a reasonable convincing game plan when they did it. And they had the umpires going for them. Um, you know, we, uh, we don't have the umpires going for us. And uh, and our game plan isn't overly convincing. Yeah. Um, and are there any other games this weekend that you're looking forward to? Yeah, there's heaps of games. The the run home, the AFL's done the theatre of football good with the run home. I, I mean, Richmond and Essendon's an interesting Rick, Rick, game. Excuse me. This is the Port what? Adelaide podcast. We don't compliment the AFL on anything here. Well, I'm I'm being sarcastic <laughs> with their oh, okay. theatre. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually think the AFL's the most fabricated sport league outside of WWE. Okay, yes, I agree. It's just it's just a disgrace how rigged the whole thing is now, and it's blatantly obvious. Um, yep. Giants and Sydney, obviously, I think it's a great game to watch, and um, and Eagles and Melbourne. And what also is interesting, Porsche, There's is the, the betting. Yep. The betting odds. Why? Like. They're all clear-cut favourites this week, which means there has to be a couple of upsets, which is good for Port. Well, it certainly I mean, would be a good week for line betting. Well, Richmond Essendon dollar forty-three to two eighty-five, Collingwood Port dollar forty-two to two ninety, Geelong Frio dollar five to ten dollars fifty, GWS Sydney dollar seventy-four two ten. It's probably the closest one. Yeah. Gold Coast Brisbane four dollars twenty to a dollar twenty-three. After a Brisbane player called the Gold Coast Soft or something, Hawthorne's dollar sixteen favourite over the Saints. Carlton is four dollar twenty non favourite over the Bulldogs, and West Coast is dollar sixty two favourite over Melbourne, and Adelaide's dollar thirty five over North. So, I mean, if you go by the bookies, it's supposed to be there's going to have there's going to be some upsets. You know, it's just a matter of which ones they're going to be. Maybe Melbourne could upset West Coast. 
I've got to say, when you started reading out those odds, I tune out the same way I do every time I see McClure on TV when he starts talking odds. I just don't care. <laughs> well, I, I guess I don't really care either, but uh, I guess yeah. it, it, it's sort of a, an indicator of the round, and I just find it hard to believe that all the... Because the favourites are so skewed that mm. the favourites have got... So then I think, well, who who could be the Smokies? And are West Coast actually travelling that well? So could well, are no. Melbourne in a... Are Melbourne in a position to actually maybe not West Coast off? Nah. Nah. No? If I'm picking a a game for an upset, that's not the one I'm picking this week, to be honest. Is Sydney beating GWS an upset, though? I think that is possible, and I think it would be an upset, yes. Okay. Well, then Port Port Geelong, that's an an upset. What, Geelong? Port and... Oh, Collingwood, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Port Collingwood. Sorry, we just commentated on Port Collingwood for the last. Uh, yeah, and you get the game wrong in the last hour. minute. <laughs> so, big win, little win. Port's a dollar, three dollars sixty for one to thirty-nine. Now, what do you want? You want the line, don't you? You want line betting? No, if I wanted the line betting, I'd look it up myself. I don't want it. We're good. Let's start wrapping up, Rick. We're done. Okay. Sure. Well, what do you keep talking for? I'm not. You are. Um, Windy Runner has briefly said Frio Heathrow Fife will beat Geelong. So that would be nice. Um, Jeez. And Ian has said there's a feel-good story of the Bombers after their struggles, which I think was in reference to us talking about how Essendon, everyone wants Essendon to win. Of course they do. That's probably the upset for me. Essendon will knock off Richmond. Yeah, I reckon there's a chance. But I guess we'll find out. Anyway, thank you for coming. Can I just bring up one betting topic quickly just before we go? Yes, all right, one. Well, I looked up your line bet, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Collingwood is $2 at negative 19 and a half. That's good. Port Adelaide's $2 plus 12 and a half. Oh, that's better. <laughs> but normally, aren't they the same? Like plus 12 and 19 and a half, negative 19 and a half? I've never seen it where it's imbalanced. No, that's that's where they make the margin, isn't it? I don't, I don't know. know. Oh no, with line betting, never... right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, if you can put, if you can get Port what more than two, uh, less than or two goals in, then I reckon that's not a bad bet this week. Um, I reckon yeah. if we if to to either loot to. No, no, no. I've gone the other way, don't I? Oh, I forget. <laughs> I, have to, I have to think about it with line betting. If it's Port to win or lose by less than a couple of goals, then that's the way I would go. Yeah, well, that's there. There's your bet. Yeah, and I just eat. I just eat down another two minutes out of your Porsche. So yeah, time right. to go. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for everyone that listened. Thanks for everyone that put up with Rick just being and monopolising his own content network. He's becoming. I don't know. I can't think of a media comparison that he, you're the Trump of Port Adelaide. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> Um, all right, and uh, thanks for people listening live. Thanks for people listening uh, on the podcasts. Thank you for questions, and uh, yeah, can't port. Hope we bloody win, eh? Yeah, go to the power. We'll win. Can the power? Can the power? Can the power? Power. Power. butcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need okay. the butch. All right, we're we going now. Bye bye. Butch would be. Uh... Sean Burgoyne, who delivers beautifully on the chest of Thurston. Pickett to the overlap. Porter away. Byron Pickett. Electrifying speed. Run 